today uh, is our Musar class, and it's a Musar class, a lesson on trust, bitachon. Uh, we say this all the time, bitachon. We talk about it all the time. Many of us do a pretty good job at trust, but we're really going to lay it out and examine exactly what it means. Most people can trust just about anything or anybody as long as they have enough evidence that it's going to work out in their favor. Favor, But the trust that we're talking about today is trust in spite of the consequences or what's going to happen. And we're going to talk about its core. The root of bitachon comes from the Hebrew word which is bet, tzet, and kaf. Bitachon. It means at ease, to be at ease. And the modern Hebrew uses that same word, which means security. So, for example, Mizrad HaTetekon is the defense ministry, for example. There's defense, security. So in the modern term, it's not ease, but it would be ease or or ease because you have security, right? Ultimately, in the classic Jewish literature, the ultimate source is a sense of security because you trust God. Bitachon in Hashem. There's a compelling reason why Bitachon is so challenging for most people in a modern age, precisely. Because we come out of a period in our, in our world culture that reason became the, the answer, not relationship with God, not theology, but reasoning. And I don't have a problem with, with reasoning. I think that you know, having logic and reasoning is good. But when you cut out or you, you exercise out of our conscious, our collective conscious, a trust in a creator, a holy one, blessed be he, the trust in one God and his ability to sustain you, then we get into an area that gets quite shaky. And if anything... That trust is only trust in yourself. Now, some of these things are going to be obvious to you, and then there are going to be others that I hope that you're going to challenge yourself with and say, you know what, I I probably don't have the full kind of biblical trust that I should have. Now, the greatest challenge to our trust is when things don't happen the way we want them to happen. And we're going to talk about those things. For example... What happens to the the Jew who is a religious Jew that finds himself face to face with the Holocaust? And he finds himself in Auschwitz. He finds himself being tortured and going through his whole experience in Auschwitz only to get out of that experience failing to have trust in God. If anything, he's angry or she's angry with God. We talked about this, I think, on Thursday's class. This bitachon can be challenging because we want to believe and think that we're trusting in one who's like a father, who has our better interest in mind, and that all things should work out good for us. But we know in our relationship with God, not everything works out in our favor. All right? So we're going to say, we're going we're gonna to remind ourselves... And we're going to be able to say, I can have bitachon, true bitachon, trust in God, even when the outcome 
is actually quite negative, and we'll examine what that means. Bitachon as a midah, or as a as a, uh, a character trait, does not require that we have absolute trust in the omnipotent God. Like with all midot, there is a continuum, and each one gets to find their location on this continuum. The opposite, the complete opposite of trust would be what? How about unchecked fear? Right? Absolute everything, you're insecure, completely insecure. I know a lot of people that have trust, but it's like here. Here's the continuum, it's here. So as soon as something bad happens, all of a sudden they think the worst, right? And my favorite saying to my children growing up, etc., don't cross that bridge until you get there. Don't think what if, what could happen. Let's wait until it happens, then we come up with a strategy to deal with it. The worst thing we can do in our postmodern mind is to start plotting out all the things that could happen as a result of what's going on. That is a terrible place to be as a human being. And I know a lot of very good, religious, good people that whenever the slightest thing happens, they completely unravel. Why? Because they have not put their brain in check. But why is their brain not in check? Is because they don't have the complete trust in Hashem. We'll examine that. Neither extreme is good. Being fearful is is not good. And having such trust that you're reckless is not good. Can you think of examples that you would have? Just throw it up and just trust God. What would you say? How about, I'm not going to work ever again. I'm just going to trust God. Right? That's foolish. How about, uh, I'm not going to ever take my medicine that the doctors prescribed to me because I trust God. Just recently, a, a, a famous actress died. She was a Scientologist. No one know why, knows why she died because she never went to the doctor. No one has a clue. Maybe an autopsy they'll find out. But the thing is, she never took medication. But it's in the people in the guise of putting trust in God are foolish. So there is a balance. Today, I hope that you will know where you are on the continuum and know what place ways that you need to be, make adjustments. I would hope that most of us, and I think most of us in this room, have a, 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 a strong immuna, strong faith and trust in God. And there's not too much that will rattle you. But the best way to know how much immuna you have is to have that tested and challenged. Bittachon and making a living. This is the first test of Bittachon. It's called the manna test. you remember the, what God did? Let's think about this. What was the story of the manna? God says, I'm going to provide you this to eat. You won't even have to go to the bathroom after you eat this. And when you eat it, it becomes whatever you think in your mind. So if you want grits and shrimp, that's what you have, right? Biscuits and gravy, that's what you have. It's your favorite food. But you could only go and collect how much? Enough for the day. You couldn't hoard it because it would rot. What was Hashem superimposing upon them? Trust. They had to get up or go to bed that night to trust the Creator that tomorrow morning it'll be there. 
And each day they had to do that, and obviously it worked. Exodus 16.4, God provides manna, but only allows the people to take exactly what they need. So the part about trust in our job is very important. A lot of people begin to get uh, uh, so self-assured that they think, well, I'm successful in my job because, well, doggone it, I'm good. I'm really good at what I do. Now, is that true? Yeah, it's true. But a person who has true betachon, a true trust in God, says, I'm capable of doing all these things because the Creator has given me this ability. You know, think of people. My son and I were having this conversation of people born with high IQs. There are some people that are blessed with an extremely high IQ. And they, in most cases, are very successful in what they do in life. When there are other people not born with a high IQ and sometimes struggle. So is that guy with the high IQ smarter than the guy with the low IQ? Not necessarily. But the point is, is the high IQ guy was blessed by the creator to do more things than the guy with the low IQ. But it doesn't mean the guy with the low IQ can't succeed in life as God has given him the ability to succeed. But some people go through life thinking that they are the source of their great wisdom. They're the smartest guy in the room. And in reality, true bittachon is a person who says, I, I have this because the Creator has given it to me. Food is, is, a symbolic, is symbolic of our livelihood and our pernasah, what our, our God taking care of us. Providing for our own material well-being, that of our family, uh, is actually the core source of anxiety throughout human history. If you want to affect somebody... Have a spouse lose a job. It's uh, it's funny because I, I, I you guys remember me telling you a story when I left the church and I drove down that long driveway to uh, North Park. I realized I'm driving down this driveway and the only thing I have is the money in my bank and my clothes on my back. Like I had no job. No, I mean, nothing, zero. And it's not like I'd planned on this, right? If I'd have planned on it, I'd had something staked out, at least a greeter at Walmart or something. I had nothing. And I chuckled to myself going, wow, now I'm going to have to live like I, I believe, right? And but what a great test. God's provided for us, and he's given me the ability to, to make an income and all those things, it's like God has been really good to us. But at the same time, I couldn't sit on my tuchus at the house going, ah, Melanie, don't worry. Money will come from somewhere. No, I had to kind of go beat the bushes and find things to do and do websites. And I worked for Catherine for a while making money. So God is really good at helping those who help themselves, even though it's not in the scripture, I guess. Of course, my parents quoted that as if it was in the Bible somewhere. What's that? God helps those that help themselves. It's true, but it's not in the Bible. I wish. Yeah, yeah. Right. A good a good mother, Mother's Day would say that too. The manatest is a very was a very well crafted thing by the Creator. God could have just taken every household the amount of manna it needed to fulfill the day and just plop it into their house. Rather, they needed to work for their food. They needed to go out and and till. I'm reminded of Adam when. Adam and Eve were, before they were kicked out of the garden, God basically cursed him to say, it's by the sweat of your brow that you're going to eat and survive. 
Deuteronomy 8.17 says this, My own power and the might of my own hand have won this wealth for me. What is bad about that statement? It takes God out of the equation. What did God say to Israel before they went into the land? He says, be careful that you're going to get into the land and become well sated and satisfied. And then you'll think, by my hands I've done these things. And, well, they did that anyway. But the point is, the, the Jewish people have always had an issue with some level of trust in God. And so do we have that issue. But it takes being challenged on a regular basis in which you see ultimately God working in your favor, or actually later, even though you don't think it was for your best, you find out later that it was actually for your best. How many times have you went through a situation and thought it was terrible, it was a horrible situation, you wouldn't wish it on anybody, and you look back and you think, wow, this changed me, this made me such an incredible person because of it. I look at people who suffer, like little children especially, who suffer with cancer and or some uh, disease. And then to watch what they're like when they're older, young adults, they're so balanced. There's not much that shakes them, not much that upsets them. It's because they've, they've, they've like held through the test of time. Part of being a human is that we need to uh, to work for our sustenance. We have to find our own protection. It's a, I had a picture I posted up the other day of a guy standing in front of a shul last Saturday with a, a large weapon on and all that stuff. Now, we trust God, but we also carry a gun. We're in Texas. Don't be offended if you live in New York, okay? But the point is, is we trust God, but we're going to carry a gun. It's Our coins say in God we trust, but we work hard to get that money that, that says that. So we all have that test. Each one of us in this room have been through that test before, except for the young ones. When you don't have the money, what do you do? And the question is, is whenever you find your finances devastated, what is your attitude? How do you approach it? The Torah is calling us to do something quite counterintuitive and perhaps paradoxical. We need to use our capacity to earn a livelihood at the same time, recognize that it is not just our own capabilities that earned us the livelihood. And thus, we don't get to do whatever we want to do with the money that we make. So it's like on one hand, we say, God's given me this ability to make this money. And at the same time, we recognize I don't get to do just anything with this money. I still have to give tzedakah, right? I still have to use the money in a holy, righteous way. I can't use my money in an unholy way. I can't use my money to extort more money from other people. I mean, we just go down through the whole list. And it's like this whole idea of trust in God affects every avenue and aspect of your life. Sadaka is one of the mitzvot that, that trains us to trust God. Have we ever learned when you give money to the poor or you give money to a charity, you give money to the study of Torah? As a matter of fact, today I got an email from someone saying, hey, it's a great way to do a mitzvah. They're building a, a mikvah in, in a town in, in England, small shul. And it's going to be like the first mikvah ever in this town. And so people are donating for the mikvah. And I was thinking, what a great opportunity to do something like you're never going to benefit from it. I would never benefit from it. And yet, that's a great mitzvah to be able to do that. At the same time, you have to trust God to say, I'm giving this money 
That's less money that I'm going to have. Now I have to trust God to make sure that I'm taken care of. Has anyone in this room ever been disappointed in your tzedakah? I don't think so. I mean, I know you guys well enough to know that you realize that there is a great treasure in what you do to give. Bitcoin calls on us to be powerful actors in the world and employ what is called hishtadlut. Hishtadlut, that's hard to say. Human effort is very important. At the same time, it reminds us constantly that we're not ultimately in control. Now, here's the question. Where are you on the continuum of trust and control? Because the difference is, part of that whole deal is fear causes me to want to be controlling. Right? Uh, here's a perfect example if you're a parent or a mother. Your fear of what's going to happen to them can cause you to be over-controlling as a parent. Right? And one of the things my wife and I go back and forth on all the time is she'll say, well, you need to tell, you know, you need to tell one of the kids this, this, and this. And I went, no, I ain't telling them that. I know I would like to because it would be for their benefit, but I can't. Because, first of all, they're not 12 years old. They're adults. But the whole point is that is the ultimate test of trust when you go, oh, no, I see them doing this and this. It's not really a good idea. I now have to trust God that he knows what he's doing with them because they're his responsibility now, not mine. And that's the hardest thing as a parent to release a child and say, I trust God. Now, when you have your child at home, like you have Toby at home, you're going to trust your instincts as a mother to guide the boy, right? You're not going to just let him do whatever he wants. You go, well, just trust God, right? But as a parent, when they leave the house, it's a totally different. The ultimate test is where are you? Are you a control freak when it comes to life? Or do you trust God? A person who's a control freak on the job is going to make everybody's life miserable. A person who has bit the cone and trust in God will give people room to make mistakes. You give your children room to make mistakes. In what area of life do you think you might have too much trust? It's just a question. Just something for you to do. And in that thing that you might have too much trust, how should you take the initiative? An example would be, uh, I don't have life insurance. And I'm just going to trust God to, to take care of that. So I really should take the initiative to save some money up if I'm going to at least do that. Does that make sense? Like, trust God, yes, but also should put some money aside so I can have the ability to take care of some of these incidental things. Or have a credit card available that you can put it on. That's taking initiative. Having trust to the place that is foolish is not having health insurance and not having the ability to take care of it, and it would devastate your, your family. Two evils have made my people commit. From Jeremiah 2.13, it says, They have forsaken me, a, a freshwater spring, to hew themselves out cisterns, cracked, that can hold no water. Do you, you hear this? So he's likening... Trusting Hashem as fresh water, right? So he says, you've chosen to ignore the fresh water I have, the daily sustenance given to you from my hand to dig a, a well that you fill up that actually goes empty. Now, there's something to learn. A freshwater spring flows out of a source, 
And most of the time, it's a very pure source. Whereas the water cistern is collected somewhere else. It is separated from its source. Jeremiah relates trust to water in another famous passage. Cursed is the person who trusts solely in people that makes his flesh his source of strength and turns away from God. He will be like a tree in the desert and he will not see when good, uh, when good comes. He will inhabit the parched places of the desert and salty uninhabited lands. Blessed is the person who trusts in God and whose hope is in God. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and spreads out its roots by the river shall uh, and shall not see when heat comes but its leaves shall be green and shall not be anxious in the year of drought nor shall it cease from yielding fruit jeremiah 17 so what is the secret is having your roots fully in the spring and provision of god we all trust god we trust him to help guide us in our finances we trust him to guide us in our health we trust him in all things And when you're rooted in, and actually I would say the spring is Torah, right? It's the fresh water of the wisdom of Hashem. When you root yourself fully in the study of Torah, you can't help but to be fully rooted in your trust of God. Water is the source of well-being. A tree with roots in its water, always connected to its source of life and vitality. Bad things may happen, like a drought or heat, But because this connection is the source of life, the tree keeps creating and keeps growing and bearing fruit. This is how Jeremiah describes a person who has bitachon. Having bitachon, trust, doesn't mean bad things won't happen. There will be famine and drought. The person with bitachon will not be confused by suffering, but will be able to stay uh, life-affirming and and uh, be a generative source for themselves and for others. A person of true connection and faith and trust in God not only is encouragement for himself, but encouragement for everybody around. They're the ones going, hey, everything's going to be all right. Not going to be that bad. This too shall pass. I, I can remember in, in um, when I was first working in emergency management, and a, a lot of people's idea of uh, disaster is something that comes from the movies where People are in the street killing everybody. It's like apocalypse. It's like Mad Max. You know, people going through running people over in cars, et cetera. It's like the worst case scenario. And I can remember having discussions like, well, if the power goes out and we only have three days supply of food in Houston, you know, people be killing each other and destroying each other and robbing and stealing. And I was like, you know, it's very possible. But in general, most people are fairly decent and they'll figure out a way to work with each other and neighbor with each other. And we've proven that over and over in this city, right? You were going to say something, Karen? And I, you know, everybody came together. They sent people in to help us with no food. Right. Not only did we support the community here, but we helped support people right. who were supposed to be here to help us. Right, them. right. So, yeah, like when the hurricane came, you're exactly right. Perfect example. And so, in general... What we find is, yeah, the, the sky can fall type deal. I mean, we know the worst can happen. But in reality, it was the the goodness of people who did trust Hashem, who trust God, who says, well, it's not just about me. It's about other people. And we made this place a much better place to live. You must talk about the pleasant storms that we had with the rain and the water. 
Both here in right. Florida, where one of the couple of the churches and HEB and people were coming together and read articles right. on Facebook that were helping those because water affects right. everybody. everybody. Right, exactly. So think about the metaphor of the spring and the cistern. Where do you have springs and where do you have cisterns in your life? I can't answer that. You have to answer that. Do you have certain little things that you've dug your hole and go, I've done this and this is my niche and nobody's can touch it and I created this and i got to protect it? Or do you have a spring that's a life flow? I think sometimes we have both, right? <laughs> if we be honest, we have a little of both of those things. But... Uh, a prime example is I remember when uh, the housing market w- went down, the Toity, and people were panicking because they they lost their retirements, right? I mean, we're talking about their 401ks turned into like 102ks, right? They didn't have anything. And people were brokenhearted and sad and mad and angry and all those things. Their trust wasn't in Hashem. Their trust was in their 401k. That was their system. They had been putting that money in there, and they don't realize that God's the ultimate source. A person truly has trust in God, like, well, I guess it's meant to be right now. We'll just have to see what it's going to be like down the road. It'll all turn around. It'll all be all right in the end. Bittachon, as a perspective, is is as a perspective of confidence. From Duties of the Heart, Rabbi Baya Pakuda in 11th century Spain, uh, and then Rabbi Zev Miller, translator of Rabbi Israel Salander, a uh, book called Or Israel in 19th century Europe, claims that Tikkun Midot helps us build bulletproof self-esteem. In modern Hebrew, Bittachon, Atzmi, is the term for self-confidence. This makes sense given our last series of text. Now, we're going to deal with this. Rabbi Yosef, Uzel Horowitz, founder of the Musar School of Thought in 19th, 20th century Lithuania, he would give his students drastic measures to train up their betakon, their fear. So, for example, if he had a student that had a fear of darkness, he would tell them to go and spend the night in a graveyard and read psalms all night. And that's a good way to get feel like you, you fix the scaredness of darkness. You know, has another one, a student is afraid of being humiliated, would make them go into a bakery and ask for tools, like shop tools. I mean, how humiliating is that? You go into a bakery and ask for a hammer, and he would make them go do these strange things that would test their challenges. All of us have things that are the cutting edge of your, your fear level. It's good to have those things challenged. Now, the good thing about growing older is the older you get, the more of those you've done. I like that one that says, I, the older I get, it's not because I'm perfect. I've just made more mistakes than you. And that's the truth. It's like you, you make these mistakes and you really learn from those things. And so the idea is that we need to first look at areas that we should challenge our trust. If we have our cisterns of, of security because you've done X, Y, Z, Challenge that. If you feel insecure about certain things, you need to challenge it. And um, I want to uh, do the last part here. I just realized it's funny because I, I um, you know, how you double paste something. I just double pasted two things here. So hold on one second.
Okay, let's talk about a focus phrase. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, we said this, would be a great focus phrase. The one that says, blessed is a man whose roots are planted by the rivers. Great focus phrase. Uh, Choose one effort you are making during the day and access whether you are approaching this effort out of trust or despair. Okay? Think about it. Just think of things throughout the day. Am I doing this out of my lack of trust and my will to want to control and my despair? or And do I need to, to fix that? Next. Um, uh, no, 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 no. no I, I think of several. Um, one would be uh, looking at your bank account and realize that deposits that you were expecting aren't there. Now, you know there's going to be some bills that need to be paid, and even two or three that are going to be automatic payments, and you're like, if they, if they don't go through, this could really make me look bad and embarrassing, embarrassed. So you can fall apart, all of a sudden get angry, express that to your children, your spouse, become moody all day, or you can say, I can't do anything about this. There's nothing literally I can do. Now, if the bill comes up and it needs to pay, I'll put on the credit card because I know these checks will be deposited, right? Instead of having a negative reaction to the thing, I come up with a strategy and I'll say, God, I'm going to just have to trust you on this. I, I can't, I don't want to put all of my bills on. I'm not going to freak out. But how a person falls apart is things don't go their way. All of a sudden, everybody's life is miserable. Now, a person has trust in God is a person who sees that situation and has peace about it and expresses that to their spouse and is not moody to everybody else. That's a testament as one who trusts Hashem. Yes. And then that next level would be thanking him for that situation. Uh, absolutely. There's, a, there's another example. You ask, um, you ask a friend to do a favor for you, like something you really need. And it says, according to the, the sages of blessed memory, you ask this friend to do a favor and, and they don't come through. Now, you asked that friend because you trusted them, right? But all of a sudden, they didn't come through. It says that a person who has true bitachon and Hashem, that doesn't rattle them. Because their trust is not in that person. Their trust is in Hashem. So, for example, the person comes through. You thank Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, that this person came through. And then you thank them. Thank you so much for doing what you did for me. The opposite effect as well. They didn't come through and they go, I'm sorry. I just wasn't been, I, I couldn't do it. You don't get angry at them because you haven't lost trust in them because your trust was never in them. Right? We are, God never told us to trust another human being. Right? Tell me where does he tell you to trust anybody but him? So the point is, if someone disappoints me, hello, it's just the way life works. But at the same time, a person that I ask that I think that will get the job done doesn't do it. They f- fail at it. I thank Hashem because I say, Hashem, obviously you know this was not for my betterment. Even though it really irritates me that I wish the person could have come through. And it didn't. So I have a lesson to learn here. I remember one time somebody told me that they were going to get 
take care of a ticket. I don't know if you remember this. Back back in the old days when we lived in Louisiana, I got a ticket going to visit my dear, lovely girlfriend, which is now my wife. And somebody says, oh, don't worry. I'll take care of that for you. Give me the ticket. So uh, six months later, I'm driving through the same town to go visit my lovely girlfriend, and I get pulled over, and there's a warrant for my arrest. They didn't take care of the ticket, right? And so I had to go to the police station, and obviously they were kind enough to let me pay the whole thing and, and clear it out. But the point is this. I learned a big lesson. Never put your trust in another person. Now, doesn't mean I won't ask somebody for a favor, okay? But I'm never going to be disappointed that someone didn't come through because my trust is not in that person. I know that sounds terrible. I know in the back of your mind you think, no, we're supposed to trust people. Are you kidding me? No, I've had people that I've trusted the most probably do the worst damage to me, right? And in doing that, that taught me a big lesson. Don't put your trust in someone. Put your trust in God, and I won't be disappointed. It's a big point, a big important part of that. So, in the end of this, let's review. You've got fear and control, and you have uh, what we call foolish trust to where I have no initiative. The balance is we take initiative. We do the things we need to do to take care of ourselves and our families, take care of your own mental health, etc., etc. At the same time, you're not going to panic and fall apart because things hadn't quite worked out your way. The ultimate trust is when we have the worst of circumstances take place, the drought comes, but you're so rooted in the shum, you go, oh, he knows what I need. He knows how to how to take care of me. Something will come around and open for me sooner or later. And I've known people that had, I thought, had great faith who constantly was on a, almost like a schizophrenic emotional roller coaster all the time. Right? When it's good, it's woo! When it's bad, it's oh, it's terrible! Like there was no balance in it at all. And part of that might be some of their mental health issues, but at the same time, really, do you need to fall apart every time something doesn't go your way? That's the key. That concludes this lesson on trust, and I hope that you trust in Hashem.